My name is Dave W. I'm an alcoholic. I'm really excited to be here. Thank you so much for the invite. I love AA. I love this way of life. I feel super fortunate, super grateful to uh, connect with you all. I, uh, I get a little bit of time tonight to tell my story, talk about what Alcoholics Anonymous has done for me and through me, and uh, celebrate the freedom that is recovery. Um, yeah, uh, thank you all for being here. Thank you for all who welcomed me at the door, um, did what we do around here, extend the hand of AA. Um, yeah, I have a little bit of time tonight, so I, I, I do want to feel like I might need some support uh, uh, from the group. If, if, you, if you hear something that you connect with, like a little smile or a little head nod goes a long way for me. Uh, 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 I do, I do, I do, I do feel your energy. Um, I am attuned and awake and alert to the signals of the universe, and I'm able to detect what's going on in the room. And I do feel safe here. Uh, I do uh, uh, want to invite the opportunity to get vulnerable, talk about my life, uh, be honest with you guys, and do the things that we do around here. Uh, hopefully, I can bring some fun and some joy into it all. I have a tendency to get really serious sometimes. Uh, uh, don't be alarmed. I'm just really passionate about AA. I get excited about the process. I get excited about being a sober man. And uh, yeah, I'm a product of the process. I've been through the steps. I've had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, and I'm not afraid to say it. Uh, uh, I will make a point blank declaration that God has done for me what I could not do for myself. And uh, uh, I'm a literature guy. Uh, I do want to just state right off the back that you don't need to be like, you don't need to do it the way I do it. You don't have to read the big book with pens and highlighters and sit through workshops and like know the words that are in the big book to be sober. You don't need to do any of that. Uh, those are things that I have found like work really well for me. And sometimes I fail to like remind that there's a lot of ways you can do this thing. I mean, you can get sober so many ways. Um, because Alcoholics Anonymous is the only thing that ever worked for me. It's the only message that I'm qualified to carry. And so I come to you with that message. Sometimes people say, Dave, man, you did a great job. You carry such a great message. And uh, uh, my story is cool and all, but uh, the message that I carry is not my message. I carry the message of the first 100 men and women, the anonymous legacy of Alcoholics Anonymous. It was shown to me, the path that was blazed, and I, I, I joined. I just followed suit. Um, I do believe that once you have a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, you can develop some independent thought. Uh, you can have some of your own ideas uh, about the program and all of that. Um, but the, bit, the best thing I ever did was just walk, some, walk up to someone point blank and ask him if he could take me through the steps using the big book. And there was a man, he met with me every week, and we, 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 we did some reading and some underlining and some talking, and he gave me some, some assignments to do and... and I don't know. It changed me constitutionally from the inside out. Like I'm a different person as a result of the steps. And, you know, that's an important thing for me to say because uh, the way that I grew up with my mind and my ego, I never thought that something uh, like, especially if you're talking about like a, a, a book, that just sounds really weird, right? Like I was, I was highly gifted as a kid. I was put in magnet programs. If you were going to tell me that the destruction of my life was going to be able to be uh, salvaged, by way of a book, it would sound like something in a movie that I watched, right? Like this mysterious book. And so I do want to offer that if I refer to the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, I'm not worshiping the book itself. We're talking about the process of recovery that leads one to this power. 
right? And the book is a roadmap by which one can do that. And uh, uh, there's a lot of really cool stuff in there. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I, I do come from, like I said, some kind of, some slightly rigid forms of recovery, very matter of fact. Um, I think I had to be rigid to get the freedom that I have today, but I didn't get free so that I would live the rest of my life real rigid, right? So I want to talk about me. I'll tell you a little bit about what I've been through. Uh, I am older than I look. Um, I am 37. Um, I got sober when I was 24. I got separated from alcohol for the last time in September of 2006. And I do stand before you a recovered man. I recovered from the hopelessness of alcoholism. I'm no longer hopeless. I live a life that's filled with optimism, hope, joy, excitement. When I wake up in the morning, I can't wait to see what, this, what the day has in store for me. I am not in bondage of my illness. I'm not suffering. I'm not scraping by just waiting to get to midnight to get another day clean and sober. I walk the earth a free man. And free men and free women can go anywhere on this earth. Other free men and free women go without disaster, provided I'm willing to maintain a certain simple attitude. And for me, the attitude is God is everything. If God could restore an alcoholic of my type back to sanity, make me useful, stand me up tall, allow me to look the world in the eye, say what I mean and mean what I say, it's a tall order. And I'm just going to go ahead and say, if that's possible, anything's possible. Character defects can become removed. Uh, 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 Low-bottom alcoholics of my type can become lifted up, become useful members of society. I didn't know AA was about becoming useful. Uh, I thought it was just about being sober. And uh, I learned that there's a difference between sobriety and recovery. I learned that I could be skyrocketed into the fourth dimension of existence where things are way, way different that it's not just me uh, limited by my own thinking, that I can gain access to power, I can become intuitive. These aren't things you hear a lot in uh, a lot of AA meetings. Um, I, I by no means want to criticize Alcoholics Anonymous as a whole, but I am of the opinion that we do spend too much time emphasizing the first three steps and not enough time emphasizing the last three. In steps 10 and 11 and 12, there's a lot of promises that are offered to us here, and uh, I believe in them. It's not just the ninth step where there's promise, by the way. There's promises all throughout the steps, right? In the fifth step, it says, I'll be able to look the world in the eye. I'll be able to be alone at perfect peace and ease, huh? It's talking about some things that could happen just from reading inventory. I was told early on that if I do the steps wholeheartedly and I make all my amends, I can get brought to a place where I can trust my thinking again. <laughs> this, this is some dangerous talk, right? Don't hear me wrong. That is not coming from a place of ego. That's coming from a place of trusting God and trusting the process of Alcoholics Anonymous. Just like that, I could be skyrocketed back into the first step, into my, to my illness, into the insanity of alcoholism. And I've been there, but I haven't picked up a drink since September 2006. Um, and for that, I'm truly, truly grateful. I do come from West L.A. Uh, I, uh, I was I'm from, uh, uh, you know, Rancho Park, I went to Palms Middle School, Hamilton High School, Culver City area, just on the border of West LA, Santa Monica. Um, I was always told that I was uh, a good student. I got good grades. My parents were happy, uh, you know. But uh, I think a lot of us identify as having something a little bit off when we're when we're young. Like I knew something was a little off. I hear often people say I didn't feel comfortable in our skin. I think what's true for me is like I just didn't feel comfortable in my clothes. 
something was like a little off. My boxers were like riding up. You know, I was just a little uncomfortable. Uh, but when I took my first drink at age 12, it did something for me that I didn't think it did for other people. I mean, I could feel it kind of rocket my whole body, right, and give me that sense of like, okay, I can do this thing called life. So I, I do come from a genetic legacy of alcoholism. On one side of the family, there's a lot of chronic disease, alcoholism, smoking, cancer, death, you name it. And on the other side, there was uh, less of that. And I do think I picked up some of those genes. I don't want to get lost in the whole genetic talk. I am a scientist today, but that's not where this is headed. What I do want to share with you is that it's important for me to know that this was not a phase. This wasn't like a thing that happened where I needed a little bit of treatment. The underlying psychological issues went away, and now I can drink normally. Like I'm thoroughly convinced that I will never be able to use alcohol successfully. And trust and believe, I have tried. I am not the one who will be able to revisit at some point. I'm thoroughly convinced of my problem. I'm a real alcoholic. I've been to the gates of insanity and death, and I'm willing to put my life on the line for a drink. My last drink was industrial hand sanitizer inside of a correctional facility. There's a chemical process from which you can extract the alcohol from the soap, and I share that little tidbit with you just so you know the lengths that I go. Uh, but when I started drinking, it did something special for me. I'm not someone who... Uh, started drinking and it crashed and burned. Like as I drank more, my life got better. Things got more manageable. Like the party was on. If you read Bill's story, he talks about the progression of his drinking, right? And like there was excitement, right? I'd proved to the world I was important. When I read Bill's story, by the way, I don't just read Bill's story and look for Bill because Bill's important. He's cool, but like I'm not that interested in Bill W., Right? It's the first chapter in the big book. His story is not that interesting to me. What I was told is that when I read Bill's story, to look for Dave's story, to use it as a tool by which I can uncover truth about my own personal story. So when Bill says I'd prove to the world I was important, what I was told to do was ask myself, how did I always try to prove to the world that I was important? And I could take that little sentence home, and that could be a immense diagnostic tool where I go back through my life and realize that I was always trying to prove myself an exception to the rule, prove I can drink like other people, prove that I can drink better than other people. That was my thing because I was really good at drinking. Like I can drink from the bottle. I'm not like, I don't like do cocktails and mixed drinks. I drink Jameson Irish whiskey from the bottle, right? I drink while I drive, not just drinking and driving, drinking while driving. I have, uh, I'm a flask drinker. I buy little bottles. I keep a flask in my trunk. I have little minis. That was my big hustle, right? I, I knew that if you had an open container, there was an extra criminal charge. So my best thinking was if I get a bunch of small mini alcohol containers and I'll just drink them and fling them out the moonroof, at least I won't have an open container, right? So this is who you're dealing with. Uh, I have the mind... Uh, 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 of a chronic alcoholic, which means I'm always looking for uh, a shortcut in my case. I'm very self-seeking. Uh, I think that I'm going to get over on the world. I want to run the show. And here's the truth. I did for a little while. No, like I got pulled over drunk. I walked the line. That's who I am. I'm, I'm a, I'm a semi-functional alcoholic. Um, I also use other things that do other things that allow me to stay up for days at a time. Um, uh, I, they, eventually they start to have a reverse effect, by the way. Uh, I'm someone that can wake up and have uh, a, a, a drink right away just to get out of bed in the morning, right? By the way, there's different kinds of drinkers. There's people that can go all week, and then on Friday night you go to the bar, and then you become like a totally different person, blackout, have 30 drinks, right? 
that's like a kind of alcoholic. If you read the doctor's opinion, he, he describes the classification of alcoholics, and there's five types. See, that's why the big book is really helpful to me. My sponsor, who was well-versed in the literature, he took me through the doctor's opinion. He was like, here's the classification of alcoholics. Let's look at the five. Let's figure out which ones you are, right? And uh, I've met people that said they're all five. You know, I was the one. I'm a more mind-dominant alcoholic. It's less about what happens when I put one in my body and more about what happens when I don't. Right? So there's different types of alcoholics. Some people drink and lose all control and they black out completely. That's great. I did a little bit of that, but the way I drank wasn't 30 drinks. I just needed one drink every 30 minutes. You see, I want to make it work for the whole day. In fact, I want to stretch this thing out for my whole life. I want to be able to drink successfully until I'm old. That was my great obsession, that I would be able to pull this thing off. Sometimes things got really bad. It got dusty, but I figured the dust would settle. Eventually, I'll rise myself from the lethargy, assert my power of will, emerge triumphant, take victory over the alcohol problem, and be able to look back and say, it was tough, but I did it. Me. I pulled it off. That's the American way, right? Try harder. Uh, you know, lift yourself up by your bootstraps. If things get rough, you redouble your efforts. And that's how I was raised. That was the music that I listened to, the message that I got from my father. But alcoholism is a little bit different. There's something about uh, me, I'll speak for me, that's unique, right? When it comes time to quit, I find that I cannot quit entirely, which means that I can quit for a short period of time. I can go to a treatment center. I can do a detox, seven days, 28, 30 days. What you want to do, have some groups? Let's talk about it. You know what I'm saying? I can do all of that stuff, right? Matter of fact, I can fill out packets uh, related to step one. I can get really honest with the drug and alcohol counselors. I can tell you about all the Oxycontins that I did in the early 2000s. I can go all the way in. I can get honest about my issues. Uh, but here's the truth, right? Is that at some point, eventually, my mind tricks me into using alcohol again. Uh, even when I don't want to, when I have every reason to stop, when I make a firm resolution that I'm never going to do it again, I always drink again. And that's what alcohol, alcoholism looks like for me. And again, there's different people, so we all have different issues. There's a wider net being casted in 2019, and many more people are coming into AA with lots of different issues. And, uh, you know, everyone's welcome here. The only requirement is a desire to stop drinking. But if you be a real alcoholic that's been to the gates of insanity and death, and you put your life on the line for a drink, and you know that when you leave the treatment center, that when you're left untreated, you will drink again, the best advice I can give you is to find someone who's a real alcoholic that's been through the process, that knows how to show you precisely how to recover. Not kind of, sort of, maybe. There's a lot of also vague recovery. It's just like, oh, psh call me every day. Just go to a meeting and you're going to be okay. I don't know if you have what I have, but I was told when I was newly sober for this last time that I was not going to be okay. That's the truth. I don't know if you have what I have, but I, I've almost died multiple times. Uh, I've been in car accidents, home invasion robberies, you name it. God spared me. And I got sober with the truth. And the truth was really, really uncomfortable that I'm suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience can conquer. By the way, alcoholism, hate to say it, hate to uh, break the party, but it's a life-threatening mental illness. It's a, it's a, it's a diagnostic category in the, in the mental illness uh, psychiatry manual, and people die from it on a regular basis. And that was what I needed to get sober on, right? The truth about what I have. 
And uh, uh, from that debilitating first step, it made it really easy to go on through the steps because I didn't have a lot of good choices, right? In my mind, if I have other options to explore, I will go explore them, anything but AA. My grandfather was a sober member of Alcoholics Anonymous, and what he had did not seem attractive to me. It didn't. He was, a, he was like an old man. He smoked cigarettes. He put a lot of salt on his food. He had lost his ability to communicate well. When I was nine, he tried to make an amends to me. Uh, and I was just like horrified. I was like, Mom, what just happened? I don't, I don't know what he's talking about. Uh, so that was my introduction to AA. It didn't seem attractive to me. Um, by the way, you know, um, uh, a couple days before his funeral, I was in a car accident and I hurt someone and I missed his funeral because I was in incarcerated. And uh, I have since been able to go connect with him at the graveside level. And my mom gave me from, from, from his, he had a, his, his, he had a trailer park in, in Fraser Park that was turned into a 12-step, uh, like a meeting hall where he lived. And, and, and uh, I got like his daily reader. He has a morning meditation book. And at three years sober, I got to go through for a whole year and see what my grandfather underlined. Right? The legacy of Alcoholics Anonymous is real in my family. Not just the legacy of death and disease, but the legacy of recovery. It just didn't appeal to me when I was a young kid. And when I came into treatment centers and people were speaking from the podium and talking about recovery, it didn't appeal to me either. And the reason is because my mind rejects the help, because my mind wants to find its own path. My mind wants to solve its own problems. So I got sober in 2006. I had five felony convictions. I had never had a real job. Um, I had been in school, but I never graduated. Um, I, uh, uh, I couldn't pull it off. Uh, my college years in the late 90s, early 2000s uh, were spent uh, at raves. Um, uh, I, I went to all of the big monster raves in the early 2000s, and we, would, uh, we did the thing. Uh, you, beads ecstasy. Uh, yeah, I had a pacifier. I did all the things. I, I, did, it, I did it all, okay? Um, they were bringing hip-hop in the rave scene, though, right around then, so there was, it was a little bit more uh, up my alley. Uh, the point I want to share, though, is that I did cross, I did cross the region. Uh, Let's just say it's true that I'm genetically predisposed. Let's just say it's true that I had some trauma as a kid. Let's just say it's true that I exposed myself to enough alcohol that my brain chemistry was altered for good and for all, right? I got sober, and I was the underdog. I had $80,000 worth of debt. I had been in a car accident. That was my fault. I had a felony DUI with great bodily harm and a hit and run. Um, uh, I, I fractured someone's cheekbone. The airbag came out, and she had a stress fracture on her cheekbone. Um, questionable, though. She turned out she worked for a she was a, a, a secretary for a big law firm, and uh, uh, I got sued. I got sued for money that I didn't have. And here's what's important to say about that: I was a drug dealer, and I made a lot of fast money, easy come, easy go. I spent money quickly, and um, uh, w when I had my first case, um, uh, I was devastated, right? Because there, there was like criminal charges and there were civil charges. And I assumed that like, you know, I could get, go to rehab and get off. But like, 
that's not what God had in store for me, right? Like, I got the worst of the worst deal. I got sentenced. I caught a second case. All the worst things that I could have ever imagined happened to me. And you can imagine me getting sober in 2006. I was devastated. Like, not only did I owe 80 grand, I have five felonies. Like, what am I going to do? And now my dad's on me, like, breathing down my neck. What are you going to do? You know? And, like, I didn't have a college degree. Uh, I didn't have a lot of skill sets. I mean, I could count money fast. You know what I mean? I could put money on a Tanita scale. I could, like, we could make some transactions. But I had no real work experience. And I was in a treatment center. And I worked at a thrift store. And I used to sweep the floor for, uh, uh, for, and I would use my money to buy used clothes. Those were the circumstances that I got sober in. So I just want to let you know, uh, whatever your circumstances are, job or no job, wife or no wife, it, do it doesn't matter. You can get sober no matter what your circumstances are. Your family won't talk to you. You have uh, done some things you're really ashamed of. You have engaged in all kinds of conduct that you have kept secret. All of those things are things we know about here in Alcoholics Anonymous. You can stay sober no matter what your present circumstances are. And uh, I, uh, yeah, I came to, uh, I remember the Marina Center. That's in Culver City. It's in West L.A. They took me there from the treatment center. And I had, uh, I had heard a couple speakers that really got my attention. You know, when I'm newly sober, I'm not like rushing off to go to the book study, right? I'm okay to go to a speaker meeting. And I had, by the way, I'd been to a couple treatment centers by this time. I had had panels come in. I had had people tell me enough about AA. I had my mind a couple moments were like, I like what that person's saying. They get loaded the way I get loaded. Should I ask them for their number? And then I'm like, nah, that person can't help me. Because see, my alcoholism is aggressive. It, 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 it progresses over time. And uh, when I get close to accepting help, my mind snaps in and uses my own thinking to bring me back to drinking again. It's, it's tricky. I'm talking about like being in a treatment center and my mind is like, you need to go see that person and collect that debt, right? Little do I know that there's a drink behind that door. Like I don't even know what's going on with me. So I get sober. I first surrender to wanting to be sober. And if I'm honest with you, like I had a testing order and I had a PO and I was on high risk and I had to call every day to see if I would uh, have to urinate. I'm not talking about insurance urination. I'm talking about urinating for the criminal justice system. And uh, it, was, uh, it was devastating. Uh, but I went to the Marina Center and I heard people speaking. I heard the life story. The life story was fun to me. It got my attention. Laughter was medicine. When we can laugh in early recovery, it's a very, very healing thing. But the thing that really got my attention were the people that were talking about living life uh, 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 back in the mainstream, like that had reintegrated back into life, that had families and jobs. In, in the book, it says we practice these principles in our homes, occupations, and affairs. That really got my attention because A can come across a little bit like, oh, that's all you do now, right? All you did was drink, and now all you do is A. Like, I, my mind's like, get a life, right? Uh, uh, by the way, I do a ton of AA. I'm 12 years and three quarters. I lead workshops. We do this thing. It's not out of uh, necessarily uh, virtue 
um, I got into this thing out of necessity because I saw the truth about my condition when I had a real first step experience. Left to my own devices, I will drink again. That's who I am. So I heard the message. There were people that were talking about the promises associated with the latter part of the steps. And I heard something that really got my attention. They said there's a primary promise here in AA, and that's a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps. That is the message of AA. And if you're looking for a sponsor, you want to find someone that's had a spiritual awakening as a result of the steps, not just someone that's going to, like, uh, try to manage your life. I don't know. There's a lot of sponsors that I've seen that, like, kind of try to keep people down, right, like disempower people, tell you what you can't do. And I got sober in, like, West L.A. where we had people with books under their arms, and they were like, let's go through the steps and show you how to be a sponsor so you can be your own man, your own woman. You could stand in your own brand of dignity. And that really, really got my attention. Maybe I'm an egomaniac. Maybe that's what it is. But uh, I wanted to be free. And so it turns out that the message that's in the big book, it actually matches the message that I was hearing. And it is the message that I carry to you. If you work the steps, you can gain access to power. It does not have to be a life filled with scraping by and being powerless. You can actually recover. It says when the spiritual malady is overcome, you straighten out mentally and physically. It talks about overcoming a spiritual malady. And uh, so this guy, he met me once a week. Whenever there was an instruction, he told me to go home and follow the instruction. So for example, when it says we ask God for his protection and care with complete abandon, I think we read it tonight. It wasn't just a thing that we read and breezed through. He actually told me to go home and ask God for his protection and care with complete abandon. And then he took it one step further. He said there's a difference between asking and then asking with complete abandon, right? And I was like, huh. The book says things like there's no middle of the road solution. It says that half measures availed us nothing. I was told if you do this thing kind of, sort of, maybe, you might get nothing out of it. Even if you do it 80% of the way, you might get nothing out of it. And I was like, huh, when I used to smoke crack cocaine and drink Jameson Irish whiskey, I gave it 100%. Why don't I do this AA thing 100%? So I surrendered to being sober, then I surrendered to doing AA, then I surrendered to wanting to do the 12 steps, and then I surrendered to wanting to do the 12 steps as they're outlined in the big book. And that was the thing that really, really did it for me. Um, I ended up going back to school in my first uh, uh, year of sobriety, and I had, a, uh, I had an incredible experience. I had to get my GPA back up to a 2.0. So you can't graduate. You can't graduate unless you have a 2.0. So I, uh, I had to take a bunch of classes to get it to a, a – I think I have the lowest GPA of anyone to ever graduate from that university. Um, funny thing is, is I've been there in the last few years as a, as a visiting lecturer, right? I've been able to go to the university that I had to take a year and a half off from, that I almost didn't graduate, and go there and teach their students. It's the coolest, coolest thing ever. Sobriety's been really, really real to me. It's not just about uh, staying sober. It's about a lot more than that. And I'm just grateful for the men and women that encouraged me to chase my dreams. I remember I had a Tuesday night home group. And I was three years sober, and I got into graduate school. And there were some people that were like, uh, this is your home group, which means that, like, we own you, right? And uh, I had, I don't know, I had enough sobriety at that time. I, got, I had a class on Tuesday nights, right? And I watched what happened. I told, the, I, told I was like, I don't know. I kind of took a commitment at my home group. And I had a class that came up on Tuesday nights. And... Um, 
I remember seeing there was a couple people that were like, yeah, I don't know. You just took this commitment. And then there was a couple people that were like, yo, Dave, no, you go chase your dreams. You're sober now. You can do things that you want to do. No one owns you. You answer to your creator. Take it into prayer and meditation. See what feels right for you. So people challenged me to be an independent thinker, to be able to make certain decisions. And uh, I don't know. Like I said, I think there's a lot of AA that's about uh, disempowerment. And I got exposed to AA that was about empowerment. Uh, I got taught how to teach. So uh, in other words, my sponsorship experience was a leadership training institute. He told me that I'm looking past you and I'm looking at the person you're going to help. That the whole point of me taking you through the steps is so that you can do this with someone else. And I was like, wait, it's not about me? I was like, nah, you don't, you don't understand. There was an old timer once who uh, asked me about my relationship with God. I must have been a year and a half sober and I was really offended by him because he was challenging me. And uh, he told me that if I, uh, if I did AA wholeheartedly and I sponsored as many people as possible, that God would protect me. You know what was special about that moment? After being offended, I took that home and I believed him. I really believed that I was going to be taken care of. In the third step, it says being all powerful, he provided what we needed as long as we kept close to him and performed his work well. So here's what I found out. I always thought that I knew what I needed. I didn't know that there could be something entirely all-knowing, all-powerful all that could have some, some things in store for me that I'm not aware of. So my, uh, my sobriety has been filled with challenges, difficulties. I've been devastated. I remember when I did a master's thesis, uh, when I was doing graduate work, I, had a, I, I, like, I spent nine months getting approved to go collect data. Right? And I had to go, I went into this kind of hospital setting and I was able to collect a bunch of data. And then I was, being, I was in transport to go back to the university and uh, uh, go bring the, the data back to where we store it. And uh, my car was broken into and my window was smashed and I, lo I lost a bag that had my master's thesis data in it. And these are the little things that I remember being like, uh, 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 I am, my life is over. I spent the next four hours walking through the alleys in that neighborhood, hoping that someone, th going through the trash can. I, 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 I rummaged trash cans for four hours, thinking that someone would have thrown it away because it wasn't the computer that they were looking for. And I, I, I don't think I've ever shared that story from the podium before. It came to me because the message that I remember was like, I thought it was the worst thing that could ever happen. I thought my life was over. And it turned out that like I was able to push forward. Things might have taken a little bit longer. But the things that I thought were going to crush me and ruin me turned out to be really, really uh, you know, fortunate challenges. So when I got sober, I had $80,000 worth of debt from a lawsuit. And uh, I learned how to work really hard. I learned how to save my money. I was a trainer for many years. I worked as a private tutor. Uh, all my years spending money fast and, and, and not respecting it, God knew that I needed some serious boot camp. I learned how to put all my things into a, into a savings account. I made an annual payment to that woman every single year. And it took me eight years to get back to zero dollars. That's how my recovery has been. It's been slow. It's been painful. I have spent tons of time uh, uh, working with other people, um, 
I, you know, I just said yes to everything. I would like drive out to San Bernardino to go speak on a, at a marathon slot at a thing for 10 minutes. And I had a chance to meet so many people. Uh, I've learned uh, the whole Southern California area. Um, so I ended up uh, falling in love with learning. Now let me just backtrack a little bit. When I was in treatment, 2005, 2006, I would try to read the big book and I had no idea what just happened. I would get to the bottom of the page and I'd be like, oh, I'm trying to read the big book. I mean, the speaker was talking about the big book and now I'm in my treatment center and I'm, so I'm reading it, right? I'm just trying to read it. By the way, reading it's not the deal. It's about following the instructions in it. But the point is I read it and I got to the bottom of the page and I realized that my brain didn't retain any of the stuff that was in it. And I remember thinking like, should I read it again? Or should I just keep going? I was like, I ah, just keep going, right? Uh, my brain had lost its ability to function properly. My memory was not storing well. I came to you with severe vitamin and mineral deficiencies. I came to you with lots of sleep deficit. And uh, as a result of a spiritual mode of living, uh, my health has been restored. It's not just about I'm sober. I believe that through spirituality, nutrition, exercise, a lot of reading and learning, that my brain has been rewired and been put back together in a way that you, takes what used to be my worst enemy, right, my thinking, is now the thing that I use for my career to develop intellectual property, to write papers that have been published in large academic journals. So my brain that was hijacked by alcohol, crystal meth, crack cocaine, and heroin, right, has been restored over the course of many, many years. When I sleep at night, I don't have intrusive thoughts, nightmares. I wake up. I don't even pee during the middle of the night. I wake up in the morning very, very refreshed. And I needed to hear uh, a message of uh, not just spiritual recovery, but also mental and physical recovery. I need recovery to permeate all areas of my life. When I got sober, it was a lot of just um, uh, just recovery, caffeine, nicotine, sugar, right? And I used to do all of those things, and I realized I didn't feel so good. I'm like, I don't feel good. I can't sleep. I had, f you know, four energy drinks. You know what I mean? Um, uh, my nervous system became attuned to the things that I was doing. And the character defects that showed up uh, have slowly been removed. Now, I want to be crystal clear. In my 12 years and 9 or 10 months, I have struggled with all of those things. Caffeine, nicotine, sugar, sex, porn, you name it, right? Anything that has any semblance of an addictive potential, I have struggled with it. Uh, which means that my life is uh, filled with challenges. Um, uh, I, it's probably safe to say that I have some neurophysiological defects. I have character defects. I am, uh, at my core, very uh, shallow. I can be very materialistic. I'm I get hijacked by like the fantasy of, you know, driving a Rolls Royce sometimes. Like I can be very third-dimensional. I can tell you my whole story and make it about um, the success that I have. That is not the message that I want to bring to you. The message that I have for you tonight is that recovery has created a quality of my life. And my quality of life is not based on my degrees 
or any of the things that I've done, it is based on the quality of my thoughts so that I have access to a peaceful mind at some times. It doesn't matter how successful or how awesome someone is. If your mind is racing all day long, it's really, really hard to be happy. And I have found out that all of that third dimensional stuff will never satisfy me. That the only thing that works for a real alcoholic of my type is a relationship with this power and a connectedness to you guys and to my fellows. My parents raised me twice. I was raised as a little kid. I had to get raised again when I was 24, 25, and 26. Now my parents are getting old and they're retired. I get to show up for them. I get to take care of them and hang out with them and uh, be an integrated part of my family. I get to be an integrated part of my community um, uh, and do things in Alcoholics Anonymous and outside Alcoholics Anonymous. I got a chance to, like I said, I tutored a kid who had prosthetic legs. He was a burn victim. He had one arm. I spent two years helping to homeschool him so he was able to get through high school. Um, I've had some really cool things happen to me in the last 12 years and plus. Um, you know, one of the coolest things was um, paying back that money, getting back to zero dollars. I was able to start a business and, you know, be, be uh, lucrative enough to survive in West L.A. And um, thank you. A couple years ago, a uh, couple years ago, I applied to get into a, a Ph.D. program and I got accepted. And I've spent the last couple years of my life just grinding. But I have a full-time job. Uh, I've been in a full-time PhD program. Uh, I sponsor a lot of men and women. We do AA, big book workshops. I'm a member of my family. Um, what I've gotten from sobriety is that I am not burning up energy foolishly the way I once was. See, I went through life, and my brain was hijacked, and all I could think about was my resentments and fantasize about what could be possible for the future. And now I get to be highly, highly effective and efficient. And these are straight from the big book, by the way. In the 10th step, it says we grow in our understanding and effectiveness. These are promises associated with Alcoholics Anonymous. It says in the 11th step that we'll become much more efficient. We won't burn up energy foolishly the way I once did when trying to arrange life to suit myself. I was always trying to make things uh, work as they relate to me. And now I roll with the stream, not against it. Um, so. Uh, AA for me has not just been about staying sober. It's about learning how to be integrated into my home. Uh, uh, it's, it's been about learning how to be useful to God and to my fellows. It's been about learning how to be effective, efficient. Uh, I spend a little bit of time in the morning and I meditate and I try to just have a quiet mind. And um, I guess what I can say at 12 years plus is that I've made a pretty good beginning. I feel like I have a lot of work to do. Um, I have a lot of uh, people that I can be helpful to in AA, and that spills over into other areas of my life. Um, my biggest character, I'm in step eight again in the workshop, and the character defect that really was glaring for my last inventory is that I'm really impatient. I want things like ASAP. Um, and then there's a part in uh, the ninth step that says there's a long period of reconstruction ahead. So I'm just ready for the long haul. Uh, I'm here to stay. Uh, in, the, in, the, in the book that I read, it says we can gain access to permanent recovery, not just one day at a time. It's from the forward to the second edition. It says, strenuous work, one alcoholic with another, was vital to permanent recovery. 
Now, I am not standing up here telling you that I have permanent recovery. What I'm telling you is that I'm eligible for permanent recovery because I've deemed myself eligible for every single promise in the big book. All the promises that are out there, they're talking about me. And that's the, uh, that's the tenacity and vigor by which we approach the steps. Uh, if you haven't been through uh, the, the program, uh, I do want to welcome you to AA. Um, I believe that uh, uh, until you've been through the steps, you can be a newcomer. I believe that you can be sober a long time and never have actually been through the process and still have a semblance of newness to you. Um, in my home group, people that are two years sober can sponsor people that have 10 years sober because it's not about time. It's about experience with process, and it's about quality of life. Um, I read my last inventory to one of my sponsees because it's not about big me, little you. We do this thing shoulder to shoulder. We equal the playing field, and we walk this thing together. It's a we program. It's not about a social hierarchy. It's not about me being the great grand sponsor. It's about all of us doing this thing collectively and creating the collective energy of Alcoholics Anonymous. It works really, really well when you use the big book and you do it in a group. Uh, if anyone's interested, uh, we do have workshops and things like that in Santa Monica. We have some really cool stuff going on. I love making new friends, and I'd love to make some friends with you tonight. Thanks.